0: All right everybody it's time for another episode of mega shame the podcast where you can get your gay and geek culture from a black queer perspective i'm nick and i am victor and we are back at this sh- bullshit um what is it october all fucking ready
1: okay, it's october uh, it's
0: gonna be christmas next week i still haven't processed 2020 so the fact that we're going into 2022 is the the Tom Foolery. Yeah, you know, this year kind of flew.
1: Like I'm like thinking about like when was because I moved in this place in February and I'm like, it's already October. It's gonna oh. be a year before I know it that I've been living in this apartment. And it doesn't really feel like it.
0: Right. Girl, Tom is just marching on over.
1: Now we're getting older and stuff ain't getting better.
0: <laughs> Low key. Well, actually, high key.
1: Yeah. I don't know, but what's
0: going on in your world? Well, um, doing the whole new job gig, it's, it's I, right. you know, I would be lying if I said I don't miss traveling from Disney. Um, what else? I am, I have been watching Designing Women. I hadn't watched that when it was in, it was on air. So I was like, you know what, let me try this out. Uh, and I remember Designing Women coming on like a lifetime around like 5, 30, 6 o'clock, something like that, uh, right before a Supermarket Sweep and Shop Till You Drop. And then <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries would come on like at eight or nine, I think. Um, what else?
2: Pumpkin really.
1: It comes on this channel too. If you, it's funny when you think about designing Women, because you look at it now, you can. T- it was made for us. It was made for
0: gays. It. Some of it is very. I was like, oh, this is dated. Like yeah. the second episode where. Uh, Charlene, not the second, but the third one, when Charlene was going out with the guy, and basically the whole episode was because he's fat. I'm like, oh, fat phobia. Uh, but I mean, that that was the the same episode of that kind of thing was in Golden Girls, and I think designing designing women was, I don't know. Which show, what network it came on? Was it NBC or something? Yeah, when
1: did Designing, CBS was seeing, uh, Designing Women.
0: Okay, uh, that was their answer to the Golden Girls because Designing Women, I think, debuted in 86, 86, 87, something like that. Um, But yeah, uh, I love the theme song, that jazzy version of Georgia uh, On My Mind. Uh what else have I been up to? Well, nothing else. A whole lot of nothing. Well, I, I just
1: got back from Buffalo, New York. I went to go see my mom on her 70th birthday. Um, I saw all of my crazy family. Um, it was good to see all of them and and, and just have a niggerish good time with family.
0: Not a niggerish um, good time.
1: You know, cause we, I mean, they are straight up, they old school Southerners. So a lot of things have not changed how they do things and and see the world.
0: Um, Mm
1: -hmm. My mom and them, they, you know, they went to high school when it was segregated. Um, So they have all that mindset of that, but also, you know, all the grandkids, all the cousins, you know, they all, you know, together, they all have a different views of life and things. And it was kind of neat just to see everybody um and they hear old stories of things that i've done that i don't remember uh we had a picture they found a picture of when i first got my first perm
0: Let's see. they <laughs> uh, didn't have to do that
1: my aunt so she's like this is why i put your permit for for prom and i was like i remember i didn't I, I said i remember it i did not remember who did it but now i remember it it all comes back to me now um and to see my mom and them from the 70s um that was really, really neat. Um, didn't realize they had all these Afro wigs and everything back in the day. So seeing all that and you know, all the looks. But that was nice. Uh, the Traveling was a little crazy. Um, Uber is trash.
0: I mean, Uber been trash, right?
1: Yes, but they are really trash, for example. So last night got in. And I don't fly LAX. I, only, I mostly fly to Burbank. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's worth it. Trust me. Um, but this time, flew, flew through LAX. It's um, going to go to the, the Uber area. So from LAX to North Hollywood, it's never been cheap, but it was $170.
0: Girl, you better walk.
1: So I okay. said, well, how much does it get to Union, Union Station? You just take the train. Because we can take the train from Union Station and go to North Hollywood.
0: Hold on. there's not a train from North Hollywood all the way to LAX? No. there's You can get
1: downtown. You can get all the way down to... Uh, you can get down, downtown, get down to USC, and then you take another train, it'll take you like to Long Beach and all that stuff. But... They're working on a train that will get straight down to LAX.
0: Pass this infrastructure bill.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah this infrastructure bill together, we'll be able to have all this stuff. Um, right.
0: Yeah.
1: But then, um, so we asked, well, how much is it to go from, to the units? Because it was a few of us who was going to North Carolina. We asked, how much is it just to go to Union Station? $70. I was like,
2: uh-huh.
1: I said, you know what? Why did we walk across the street? We went back. So the Uber area is just across the street from LAX. We walked back over there. And we were like, somebody said, we have to take Flyerway to Van Nuys. Van Nuys um, is literally about six miles from North Hollywood. It's like, yeah, we'll just take the bus, it's a shuttle that goes straight from Van Nuys to LAX back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. That bus was $9.75.
0: $9 or? Yeah, $9. Oh,
1: I was about to say. <laughs> but we were like, well, bitch, we can just get on this bus, get to Van Nuys.
0: Then take an Uber.
1: Yeah, but Vinay, yeah, the Uber there was $12. We were like, so basically $22 versus $170. That is the fool. Yeah, we were like, "This is so." We, so I discovered something, but apparently, a few was like, "Everybody was like, we discovered a new hat today." You're like, this is mm-hmm. we just get on this bus, nine seventy five, take you back and forth, Uber where you need to go. So those who don't have a car, you can just get an Uber, take you to Van Nuys, get on that little bus, take you down there, straight down there, nine seventy five, get on the little, go to LAX, and actually, to be honest. It's about thirteen dollars from where I'm at to go to the Burbank um, airport when I take an Uber. So if you want to add in a little eight, seven to eight dollars, then LAX is not so bad. But you have to do it that format to work, or you could drive your own car, drop it off at the at the bus stop for that. It's called FlyAway. You can drop it at FlyAway. They just take you there, come back, pick up your car, and gone.
0: Oh, y'all so complicated out there.
1: It is. I was like, was a lie. I was so mad at everybody. I was mad at everybody. Because Michael wasn't able to come pick me up until later. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, I could sit in the, I said, I can go back into LAX. LAX is like a mall. I can go here, sit here, and have dinner, and just, you know, until whenever. But, you know, I just didn't think it would be that complicated. I was like, wow. So I, I was telling everybody, do not, if you are in North Hollywood, just get Just take that 975 bus. Don't even bother with Uber. Or the other secret is you walk across the street to the hotel. Uber is only like $38.
0: I mean, still, that's a hell of a lot cheaper than $5,000.
1: They're charging more because it's LAX.
0: I mean, Uber, I never, I always go with Lyft anyway. Um, But, you know, Lyft is probably going to be the same amount from that, uh, amount of distance too yeah so
1: actually they were they were cheaper i just didn't have the left um app i was already frustrated so i was like you know what we're just gonna do this new version of getting home and now mm-hmm. that this version exists i may put LX back on the map for me i might be like because sometimes LX is a whole lot cheaper than burbank
0: well is it's is burbank airport do they even do like international flights
1: do they have international flights? I, I'm not sure. Um, we just know Southwest is—they just go back and forth all the time over there. I think they do have international,
0: uh-huh. um,
1: but I think for a lot of people, it's just like it's almost like a hundred dollars more at times. But because I use that for work, I don't—you know—I don't think about the price. Uh-huh. Um, but it is a big difference. Sometimes like right. it might be three seventy-five to go out of burbank but it may be um 221 to go out of lax
0: right i mean that's the same with uh the airport here in lexington like i could go to louisville's international airport but louisville is like 60 some odd minutes away Mm -hmm. why would i do that versus you know go down the street take this airport even though it's small as hell and there's only, like, I think four, if that, uh, airlines that operate. Actually, two. No, no, I'm lying. It's three. Like, Delta, American, and Allegiant. And I refuse to fly De- uh, Allegiant or American. So, you I know, that's...
1: Oh, so that's funny, because I flew American, and mm. we got delayed... I mean, we were supposed to take off at 6 in the morning. You know, when, they, when the plane started moving, I just fall asleep. So I fell asleep. I wake up 40 minutes later. We still on the ground. I'm like, what happened? Why, why we ain't going nowhere?
0: Oh, no. Man. We had to
1: get off the plane because <clears throat> the plane wouldn't fly, so we had to get off. We didn't leave until 9.30, and it just threw off the entire day. Mm-hmm. So we have been in Buffalo at 4.30. I didn't get to Buffalo until 11 o'clock.
0: Child, the best the same thing that happened to us we were when i was on tour we were leaving charleston west virginia to go to um little rock and we were trying to beat this storm and it started raining right when we were about to take off so we had to wait and then there was lightning in the area then we had to wait there and we were supposed to fly in to little rock about i think 12 we didn't get the Little Rock till like four. I'm like, okay, so this just threw off my whole brunch uh, <laughs> idea. So basically, we just don't have to do uh, dinner or whatever. But it was just, it was a mess. And I hate delays. Delays are just, oh
1: Yeah. Because they really don't care about you when it's delays. Now, if it's something else, they'll do all this stuff. But delays, they're just like, bitch, you just have to figure out how you're going to <laughs> like Like, either you work with us, or you're on your own.
0: Right. Like, you could just, it. you could uh, push it on a, a Greyhound.
1: Yeah. I was like, this was, and you know, there was, and there was, you know, and I like a little biscott, cook, one with them little cookies they be giving, whatever they call
0: Them biscottis?
1: Yeah. And I was like, no, y'all, y'all better give me more than one pack, because y'all don't have me on here. I'm hungry on this plane. Four hours. Y'all mm-hmm. ain't got nothing but these cookies and these uh, pretzels. You better give me two. Me
0: you know give me some something. real food up in through there or have somebody deliver, get a, a DoorDash. A door
1: dash. Y'all can't be having us up here starving. We're in this plane in four hours. I don't think you got some pretzels. But no, give me those cookies. <laughs> so right. I was a little bit spilling it from that. But I'm back. We're back to normal. Um, it's hot today, it's 86 degrees. And um, yeah. Bag nobody robbed my house. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good thing.
0: Well that's good.
1: Yeah. Well, let's see. Let me get into this tea because it's been a lot of interesting it's stuff. Craziness. Um we'll start with Mr., you know, good old fashioned R. Kelly. He's Oh, Robert. It's All It's done. He's found guilty. I think they all, I think they will sentence him in a few months from now. In November, I think. I can't remember. But um, found guilty. He may spend up to 30 to 100 years in jail. Racketeering. Mm-hmm. You don't always hear racketeering. Racketeering is like one of those... It can be anything racketeering. But, um, yeah, And now he just recently said that he's going to... You know, bring everybody else down. We want the other things that we don't know, uh,
0: other oh. people. Okay. Was like, okay. He act like that was some kind of, like we were supposed to be, like scared of that threat, like as if all these other people haven't showed their asses or soon to will be have shown their asses, like. Some of those, um, somebody has said it. I think it was, what was it? Chuck D or oh one of the founders of hip hop. He said something that didn't, oh God, what was it? It was something to the effect that, oh, well, uh, Elvis didn't go to prison or something like that. And I'm like, what does that have to do with the price of butter? Like, first of all, like, say on topic, number one number two like this whole um like taken away from like th- there was no kind of uh remorse or some kind of saying that uh oh I'm sorry what, what the the victims had to endure or, or that but it was just like oh well uh Elvis didn't go to prison I'm like girl okay just what does that have to do with anything
1: i don't know i was like well sir this has been in the works you knew this was coming once they had you in jail they had you once you were in jail. Uh, but it was time i'm happy <laughs> i'm happy that we're getting there you know he had people out there protesting for him
0: i don't understand like especially some of the women uh, uh, the women that uh are still maintaining oh he's uh, innocent or these girls were too fast that's something that they always do it's always somebody's auntie somebody's meemaw that still won't give up on R. Kelly because they still love to step in the name of love
1: there's other songs
0: There this other... Art, other artists honestly and like this, the fact that you still can't give up this man's music because it's somehow define define your uh, growing up period or that the fact that you don't want to acknowledge that this man was a piece of shit. That's something that you and your therapist need to work out.
1: Yes. I I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I was never the biggest R. Kelly fan. So I... I... I don't know, but there, there I was watching some of the clips of the people out there playing um, his songs. I think um, I Believe I Can Fly was trending at one point. It was just so much. Uh, I heard that Penny LaBelle said she won't perform that song anymore. You know, there's all that type of stuff that she used to perform at some of her uh, concerts.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and so it's just been something else. But, you know, he's in jail. He's a black man, so he probably won't get the lowest. <laughs> you know, if he's white, you know, it might have been a different story, but you know.
0: Yeah, he can ride in jail, I mean.
1: Yeah, he really can. Well,
0: he's facing up to a hundred years, so he's not gonna get out.
1: Yeah, he's gonna probably die in jail, which it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, I didn't put this on the list, but this kind of hit all types of ways. So um, thinking about white women, the you know, white women always, Shows us they show us who they are on a regular basis. Ellen Pompeo. Ellen Pompeo, if you know, she's one of the big stars of um, Grey's Anatomy. She has a podcast now, and she talked about where she went off on Denzel Washington when he was a guest director of the show. And and, and you can listen to it uh, where she talks about basically she was like reminding him who she was call him a motherfucker, all this type of stuff. I'm like, okay. So what you just showed us, ma'am, is you are a white woman in America, basically. That's what you did. Kind of just showed your ass. Now, I don't know if you heard about this or you saw it, but it was just where she, she got dragged for like literally two days.
0: I saw it and I was, I'm never a big Ellen fan. Um, So this just re- iterated like i don't like that woman and i'm like girl what what are we supposed to do with this information
1: yeah like why even tell us you should have just kept this to yourself
0: because yeah I'm, this there's some things that you could keep to yourself girl that's okay
1: because i was sitting there like when she was like well do, does he know who i am I'm like do you know who he is two-time oscar winner where's your oscars um where's your Emmys? I, I, well she might have one, but i'm like
0: was he a razzie
1: Like where's your stuff? Remember who made you? Remember Shonda Rhimes, a black woman, gave you the ability to be the star that you are today. So let's just keep that in perspective. But yeah, but that's not the only time she's done something. She's also talked about how she didn't understand why HBCUs exist. But isn't uh, isn't her husband black? Yeah. She probably thinks she got all of the. You know, you know how white folks do when they got somebody black and they you know if if they got all the rights at that point they could say nigga all day so
0: it's always that woman uh that you know and whatever city that you live in that she has like a old uh school rihanna style uh uh, hair that has uh brown she is blonde with brown tips she drives a nissan ultima she works down at the call center her boy, her boyfriend's name is Jamal, and her little kid's name is uh Tayshaun, or something of the sort.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm just like, girl, okay, you we get it. You like black dick. We get it. Just leave us alone.
1: Yeah, leave. Stay out of our business. But yeah, she got dragged for that. And I was just like, hmm. And there was something about her because she was also, she got dragged for. Saying that Kamala Harris was too um, aggressive and too, um, she's trying to she's trying to be too bossy, and I'm like, I'm like, but okay. Well, so what did what did you just do? You know, to Denzel Washington, but she was just, all this type of stuff. So everybody was reminding her this weekend of all the things she's done over the years. The HBCU stuff was kind of new, I didn't know about that, but she was mm-hmm. like, why are we still having separate colleges for Black people? why can't we all just go to the same place and learn from each other? I'm like,
0: okay. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this with <laughs> folks. I well, refuse. I think it
1: was Sherry Shepard who was like getting her together. I think it was like an old episode of The View or something like that. But whew, I was like, I'm tired of you already. And what have you, what have you. But I have a question for you.
0: Oh, go Have
1: you start watching the Squid Game,
0: i watched the first two episodes and <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? This is like <laughs> some um, Mario Party ass let's play a game saw bullshit. Like I, I watched it in the uh, original uh, Korean. I didn't do like English dub. And so I was, you know, in and out paying attention uh, well prior to this i saw all of these memes and whatnot and i was like who is this what's the statue of this little girl <laughs> i'm like okay so let me get into squid game and i thought it was just going to be like i don't know what i expected and so halfway through the the first episode i'm like okay this this daddy ain't shit um <laughs> he gonna t- do everything but take care of his motherfucking kid." And then I, uh, when he tries to do that, does it have ass? So I'm like, okay. Um, and then they get to the actual games, playing red light, green light. I'm like, okay. But then when they started killing folks, baby, I was like, oh, oh. I was like, oh, all right. Oh, this, this is not uh the green red light, green light that you used to play uh back when you <laughs> was a kid. Cause they started marking these motherfuckers. I was like, "Oh, okay." But uh, I know the the allegory that they are trying to portray. Um, the sense that these these games is what capitalism is. At least this is what I'm getting from it. And if you don't partake in these games then you are going to die but if you do take in in these games and you lose you'll still die so it's a lose lose situation um i always now see wasn't um the train to Busan that was korean too right i don't want nobody's American ass version of Squid Game. We didn't need a American version of Train to Busan. Like, what is it going to be like, Train to Huntsville, Alabama? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> man, we don't need we don't need that. And because I know they're going to be like, oh, well, since the Koreans did it, well, maybe we should do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, no, we don't need it. Um, what is it? It's only like eight episodes or something like that. So. What was your thought? What do you think about it?
1: It's It's just maddening. It's a... Now, I've only seen the first. I'm going to sit down and look at more of it um, because, you know, everybody was talking about it and I was in the hotel room. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to you know, I'm going to watch it, you know, I'm gonna just watching the laptop and I was like, what? I was like, okay, what? And I'm obsessed with the big, you know, dancing doll girl and... um
0: Cause every every gay is. I'm like, I, of course y'all are. Like <laughs> I can't stand y'all.
1: So I'm just like, I, you know, they've they've already equated her to Lil' Kim and
0: Lil Kim.
1: Yeah. How yeah, little Kim does that little that that flying dance she always does.
0: Okay, yeah. I might need to get back into more of the series. I'm like, yeah. I was getting Dora the Explorer of anything else.
1: But it's 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 interesting because you know it's I mean, you know, they've always done these type of movies, like, you know, with the, with the, I can think of the one where the kids had to kill each other on that island and all that type of stuff. They've done all that type of stuff before.
0: Like a Korean version of uh, Lord yeah. of the Flies?
1: Yeah, and I'm like, I love the concept of it. I'm just gonna give it more, you know, time to get into it. But I, I like, I kind of like the games. It's almost like a little bit of Hunger Games, a little bit of the hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, more, a little bit more interesting than Hunger Games. Um so you know I am gonna keep I'm gonna keep watching it. Um there's so many things I gotta get caught up on, like Midnight Mass. I'm gonna be finishing up. Um because that's a pretty good show too. Um so yeah, Squid Game is just you know, you got your colors, the madness, all that stuff. It's gonna keep us in there because just because of that already.
0: Yeah, so, it's crazy as fuck.
1: Yeah. So I, I wanna see how all that's gonna end and how that's gonna go. But no, I just wanted to see what you thought know about the Squid
0: it, Girl. Everybody. Like, is, what is going on with this? But.
1: Speaking of madness, um, you know, we can't keep, keep, things can't stay dead for long or stay done long and done for long. Um, the Bodyguard is going to be remade. Uh, it's going to be uh, focusing on a Latina artist, um, person who's gonna write it, I think he's excited, I think he's queer, he's excited about it. But many people are not, you know, they're already talking about like, how are you gonna disrespect Whitney Houston this way? Now to be honest with y'all, if you didn't know, the bodyguard concept is not what did not start back in 1992 or three or whenever the movie came out. The original concept of this was gonna be Donna Ross and Steve McQueen. So this is something that has been, you know, moved through all the years. Like how A Star Is Born has been moved through all the years. It's like Lady it Gaga. There's like
0: four born. different versions of A Star Is Born.
1: Yeah, it's been like what, four or five? It's been like, there's been, like, been so many
0: versions. There's a Judy one, there's a Gaga one. I think there was a one before the Judy one.
1: Um, The Barbra Streisand
0: Well, she must've been after, after Judy.
1: Yeah, it was after Judy, it was in, in the 70s. Okay. So yeah, this is—it's not brand new. The concert has been brand new. I would have loved to seen the Steve McQueen and Diana Ross version, because you know that would have been just overly dramatic and just.
0: And Steve McQueen was a looker anyway. He was nobody's Kevin. Oh well, Kevin Costner is nobody's Steve McQueen. That's for damn sure.
1: Yeah, I mean they both had that rugged cuteness about them. Like, you know, you still you. I would. I
0: looking. was. uh <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you, you not think Steve McQueen was handsome?
0: No, I don't think Kevin Costner is handsome. Oh, like especially uh, Steve McQueen when he was in The Towering Inferno. Uh-huh. when he was all that. Uh, Steve McQueen in Towering Inferno and Bullet. Oh, okay, but <laughs> we are digressing, like yeah. we always do. Um, we're not gonna front like the bodyguard was this amazing movie. Yeah. We not go front like that. You know, it was... Wasn't it nominated for a, a shitload of Razzies?
1: I, I think so. But I, I don't know why I kept thinking it was actually nominated for an Oscar or something. Was the song? Was it the it song? was probably the
0: song. Um, I would have... Yeah, if anything, it was the song. But I remember seeing... I think I've only, I haven't seen the bodyguard all the way through, ever, yeah. but um, I remember, like, the the ending when there was some kind of shooting at the awards show, and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> it was just very odd to me, and as I'm reading about, like, this remake, they said, and I don't know, they got, they... It, crazy. They said uh, the combos of the Kevin Costner and Whitney, uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, has been a name that has floated, in Channing Tatum and Cardi B. Wait, wait. I was like, if y'all, <laughs> if y'all <laughs> just gonna make this a, a parody, just say that, like, because you come know,
1: now. no shade to Cardi B. Like, I, I almost could see the Channing Tatum part. I, you <laughs> never know. You never know. You never know.
0: I mean, I could see a Channing Tatum and maybe a Vanessa Williams, but I don't think Vanessa Williams would ever do something like this.
1: No, you know. I
0: think this is a little, is a little bit beneath her. Up.
1: Lady Chatter, you know, older woman, younger man, she putting it on them. Um, that could be, you know, that's a that's a good lifetime Sunday night
0: Lifetime was about something. Well, like, way back when. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Well, when, when Meredith Baxter was either she <laughs> was playing, a, <laughs> she was either playing a killer or some kind of uh distraught woman. Yes, she I, had all I'm of the big, fucking roles. Let me
1: tell you something. <laughs> Meredith Baxter Bernie had played every
0: distraught
1: <laughs> white woman you can think about. What was it? Was one by her overeating? Uh mm-hmm. alcoholic, well, mm-hmm. she's a lesbian because she can, now she can play a, a distraught white lesbian. oh you know married, you know that woman needs an honorary um Emmy.:
0: Right, she does
1: because she has played you can think about I, um there on Pluto, you can watch I sit there and watch um family Time and I'm like, this, well, I thought I was, this woman has played everything. The girls don't do this like like they did it back in the day.
0: Uh uh, she was the uh, the Meryl Streep of Lifetime. You better give her her uh, roses. (laughs) Shit, I
1: will put that on Twitter. That Nick has just (laughs) why we need y'all need to give Meredith Baxter Bernie all of the fucking flowers because that Mm -hmm. woman played everybody's role. You she like in the whole
0: whole Sunday Sunday. You can go from hating her to rooting for her. To falling in love with her, yeah. this span of an afternoon,
1: right? She hasn't like, been oh, an right. action person yet, but she yet she has been a killer, mm-hmm. a white woman, uh, <laughs> overeater, <laughs> everything, all of them. Because you know, back then, you know, back then they made you had to act, you had to do these t- these TV movies. They don't, like I said, they don't do it like they used to do it. But these TV movies used to be the burning bed. Yeah, that was Farrah Fawcett's big moment. After all those years, mm-hmm. she did that work. She had when she got in the burning bed. That that was it. So I'm telling y'all, I'm I'm mad because you brought up Meredith Baxter. <laughs> 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 Woo, her it's, it's it's a few of them. Sharon Glass, all of these women, they will play some roles. You'd be like, dang, they just be going through it. I think all the only girls that be doing it like that now is that Amy Adams. Like you know, they'll play they all play all these different types of women. You'd be like, damn, mm-hmm. um, Charlize Theron. You know she's played all. She's played them all:
2: mm-hmm.
1: action, killer, wife, divorcee, evil. She's done it all. Evil queen. but yep. It starts with Mary Dobbs burning.
0: <laughs> yep. child what else are we getting into? So,
1: <laughs> um, have you been watching the What If? Because the, I'm a, I'm gonna have to check out the Ultron one because that's the one everybody's talking about. Next, okay, with Chadwick, uh, which I that that that's still hard to watch because so what actually, ifs,
0: yeah, they are really to me, they are really good. And I think this most recent what if with Ultron, um, it was giving me, um, Days of Future Past, mm-hmm. either Days of Future Past or um, Age of Apocalypse, but like bleaker. And I don't know how you could do that. Um and it makes me, I don't I don't want to spoil anything, but what happened, the events in this most recent what if leads me to believe that it's going to play a really significant part in the continuation of this phase. Because Ultron was giving me uh Sentinel, and Days of Future Past, the movie. And um, do you remember um, that Justice League uh, cartoon episode where um, they had the uh, uh, Dr. Amazo's robot that kept on copying everything, and then he left space, he left to go to space, and then came back? Mm. That was like a, a combination of those two that Ultron was giving me. Um, yeah, you gotta watch it. You have got to watch it.
1: Yeah, um, I I was about to start it. I go, I had to stay away from all of the talks because I was like, okay, I did see a scene. And I was like, what? So I'm gonna have to check it out. The what ifs are, you know, for what they are, they, they're they they actually really cute. They do kind of get into what the original comic is. Like, you know, if you ever read some of the comics, there's like, what if Phoenix lived? Um, what if Jean Grey never died, or what if um, you know something happened this way, that way? There's, it's always been a very interesting comic. So this whole Ultron thing has been interesting because there were always talks about like how Ultron was portrayed in the in this movie versus the comic, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and how would he have been going against you know Thanos or anyone else, and, I, that, and that would have been a fight to see, like how would he have been. How would he fare against Thanos and what have you?
0: Thanos shows up. And I will say that. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Thanos shows up in the cartoon.
1: Yeah, y'all need to see that. Y'all need to see that. But yeah, you know, these what ifs are really good. Um, I know we're about to get a little bit more some DC stuff coming soon. Because, you know, they, they, they have a, they've had their own version of what if, kind of. Um, and so I'm, I don't know if they're going to do something like that, but I know they have some other, um, shows coming through very soon, animated stuff. I haven't been, I haven't been caught up with Titans, um, but Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol is really, really, really hot right now. So I might just start watching that. I haven't really got into Mm,
0: that. I haven't started Doom Patrol or Titans, so I'm behind as far as that, that part.
1: Yeah. Let me see. Oh, and I think the last thing is Cowboy Bebop. So that's coming out live version. I have never seen the animated version. But just judging by the looks and the costumes and the hair, um, it's going to be something exciting. Have you seen the cartoons before? Or the anime before?
0: I remember seeing the anime a long time ago where um, Cowboy Bebop was on Cartoon Network. Like they had the uh, that kind of adult It wasn't Adult Swim, but it was, like, they started showing, like, the mature, um, animes. Uh, and I remember it had, like, a really jazzy kind of, uh, theme song. That's the only thing that I remember, uh, from it. Um, but this new, um, this live action looks really good, um, I'm a fan of the, the casting. Uh who they have in here? They have John Cho um as the Spike. Um Mustafa Shakir as Jet Black, which that man always kinda he's fine as hell.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but in the sense that he might kill me afterwards, but I'ma go down. Loving every minute of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he was kind of how like, yeah, that's how I used to see Wesley Snipes back in the day.
0: Like, I'm
1: going to, yeah. know, we're going to tear down in the bedroom and you might just...
0: Choke the shit out of me. And then, like, if you choking me while you, you know, hitting it from the back and then you accidentally just <laughs> suffocate me. And I'm like, well, I guess the breaks. Yeah, like,
1: yeah, it's like, you know... This person is risky, and you know, sometimes that's that's fine. Uh <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna check it out because I have no idea. And I've gone back and forth like Joe I watch anime. Somebody said don't like don't do it because you're trying to, you'll it'll mess you up, you'll judge it. The same way we did Death Note.
0: <laughs> right. Like I haven't started, I haven't watched either the anime or the live action of Death Note. Um, I know, I think I still have that. The anime's still in my um, Netflix queue. Um, But yeah, that live... It's always these live actions when they put... They strip away the Japanese of it and put some random white folks Mm -hmm. in these character roles. It's like the same thing they did with um, Iron Fist. I'm like, why is this random-ass white boy that nobody asked for... And he said he can't fight. And he didn't do any of the choreographies. Like, why is he in this role? It should have went to somebody else. Point blank, period. Uh, uh, anyway, I'm going on one of my rants. But, yeah, I'm checking out Cowboy Bebop whenever it drops.
1: We're checking it out. Um, and uh, I think to close, I'm going to say Idris, James Bond, you can make it happen
0: just make it
2: happen
0: yeah yeah uh what was it no time to kill yeah or, yeah that was no the, the to, final no time to die. no, time to, no time to die okay yeah that's the conclusion of the daniel craig era which he was a very good mm-hmm. james bond to me he was more what's so i think he was more ruthless Yeah. because you know uh the james bonds of you know, yesteryear, the 60s and 70s, they kind of had that English debonair swag to them. But with, um, especially with Daniel Craig's, he was a lot more, I'm going to kill these motherfuckers. He was almost like, uh, um, who was the guy in Taken? Liam Niel- Nielsen yeah. Nelson? Yeah. He was a little bit like that. And with hints of Gerard Butler in uh, Law-Abiding Citizen. Yeah. But, yeah, I like uh, Daniel Craig with his short uh, little self.
1: Yeah, he was, I like his, he was a little rugged. It made him a little sexy, a little, you know, a little risky, a little dangerous. He had a little sass. Because you think about, yeah, you say saying Sean Connery, Roger Moore, they were handsome men, but you, I couldn't take them seriously. Um, now I will be the one that Timothy Dalton, whoever his name was, Tim, his, I can't remember his Was that was his name, Timothy? Whoever the one that was
0: Timothy all, Dalton. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
1: liked his look. There was something about him that was like a little more grittier. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we love the theme song. You know, Gladys Knight gave us "License to Kill." Um, but I, you know, Daniel gave us a little bit of something grit about what that is. It wasn't. It wasn't. He was sophisticated, but if it had to go down, it would go down.
0: and that's how That he- scene, I always remember that scene where I forgot which one it was in. It was probably Casino Royale mm-hmm. where he was like handcuffed naked. Yeah. And then they uh, took out the bottom of the chair where his nuts was hanging out and they would swing that rope and hit him in the balls. I was okay. like, only that James Bond would do, would take that like a Sean Connery James Bond or a Roger Moore or uh, a Timothy Dalton, maybe not even, maybe even a uh, Pierce Brosnan. I don't think they could have handled that kind of scene. And I'm glad that they kind of took that elevation of James Bond to that more that character that only I think Daniel Craig could do.
1: Yeah, because it, it made you understand how tough he is. Because, you know, again, they made him so prettified in the past. It was like, yeah, but what can he really handle? This was like, they train these folks to be you know, the sevens or, or whoever they are. They train them to be these tough ass agents. And you see why, because that's not what anybody can take um And yeah, it, it was just looking back at some of those movies. that was really good. So I am looking for even those movies, almost three hours,
0: or <laughs> something like that. But you know, know it, Diamonds Are Forever is just like two and a half.
1: Yeah, but you know that's fine because it's like if they keep it moving, they got a lot of stuff in there. We got him. We have the new 007, who's a woman. We have you know so much going on in this movie. So we'll we'll see how this goes. Uh, I'm excited for Of course, I'm gonna watch it. all that good stuff but yeah you know if if y'all really think about it make idris idris has all of the chops to do it
0: i think i don't know if idris would necessarily be my top i wouldn't mind seeing him in it Mm -hmm. but maybe either just a person of color yeah like do that and i think Uh,
1: yeah
2: it I'm
0: would sure. well, broaden know. The, the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Either, like- yeah, do like a um like a known uh, unknown actor yeah. or something like that.
1: Yeah, because we really didn't know Daniel Craig. He was kind of like, I mean, some people knew him, but I was like, I ain't never known him. he was in stuff before, but you, he just we just didn't know him. So right.
0: I thought he was like a um uh Jason Strahan knockoff. Because they kind of look alike, and they white, so, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jason is that type of way. I go back and forth with him. Um, but yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, well, that's all we have on the table. But we do have a great king-size issue coming for you, so um, stay tuned, and we will be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to our King Size Issue today. Today, we are talking with Anthony Hand. Now, Anthony Hand is a creator, a director, writer, everything you can think of, who has created this brand new um, animated series, you want to call it, um, called Maxi um, um Super Shiro. Now, I'm saying that the entire title just toned around, but I'm going to let Anthony really get into it because he
2: created it. He could tell you how much more about it. So, Anthony, welcome to Magazine today. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on your show. I feel honored. This is this is fabulous. Yeah. And I, I'm so excited to tell you more about Maxine. Yes. So y'all
1: y'all know we love superheroes, especially we love any any superhero who is, well, one, if if they're a woman, if they're queer, if they're drag, especially in those worlds, because that's where we kind of gravitate to. But Maxi, the wow, is something really new and exciting. And I, I want y'all to hear about it.
2: So I'm gonna just turn it over to Anthony to tell us about this character and how did you come up with Maxi? Ah, well, the first one's easy, the second one's a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> so Maxi Luau tells the story of Simon, a shy young barista who finds a magic wig that turns him into the titular drag superhero Maxi Luau. Mm. And our villain, hashtag, hashtag drag villain. Her name is Dinabolical. She's discovered that drag queen tears have magical anti-aging properties. So she's been kidnapping queens around town, forcing them to watch the saddest movie ever made, features 2 on constant loop, to harvest the tears and put out a new cosmetics line. And now she needs Maxie's superpowered tears to go global and become filthy rich. <laughs> <laughs> it's always about the money
1: with the villains these days. Very classic, like motive, like to be rich and
2: have $1 million.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, she has
2: a backstory and her family used to be quite wealthy. And then I think it was a shoulder pad investment gone wrong in the (laughs) eighties that set her family fortune down the toilet. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) And that would have, especially think about the eighties dynasty and Falcon
1: Crest, all those great eighties moments and outfits and shows. Um, So... You came up with this, and I'm sure you were influenced by so many things. In, so many. So, so can you talk about some of the things that influenced you to create Maxi?
2: Well, like way, way back, uh, back in high school, I wrote a column for our school newspaper. Now keep in mind, I grew up in a farming village of 600 people in Michigan. Oh my goodness. And uh, yeah, my parents were factory workers. We had cows, pigs, and chickens on our little tiny family farm. And this uh, column in the newspaper was called Murgatroyd the Super Chicken. And <laughs> of course, it was very much a spoof of Superman, and, and everyone's names were named after different breeds of chickens. So <laughs> a bit wackadoodle. And at that time, of course, I was also like really uh, addicted to comics. And then, uh, sadly, you know, going to college, I had to to give up all my comic book habits and uh, leave Challengers behind. I think you were talking earlier in one of your shows about comic books and I was picturing the store I used to go to in high school back in the 80s that sold cigars and comics and popcorn. And so (laughs) these together had the most incredible like olfactory stimulation, Mm -hmm. you know, and I still think of that every time I think about comics in high school.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: Yeah. And when we think about drag and queer superheroes, I remember um, You know, my, my knowledge of comic books is getting, and characters is getting a little bit rustier, but I think I remember, wasn't the first like gay superhero uh, Alpha Force? Uh, it was like, t- wasn't it twins, a boy and a girl twin and the? boy? Yeah, it was, it was North, North Star. Yeah, That's North. it, North Star, yes. And, uh, and more recently, you know, uh, Marvel has a drag superhero, and I forget her name now, uh, she's been in like I think two books, so very very minor character. Yeah. Uh, and then on Supergirl recently on TV, they had a trans mm-hmm. superhero. How freaking cool is that? And I think she's like an alien, and Nicole Main's plays her, and she's of course stunning. Um, and then more recently, we had uh, also on Netflix, we had a, a, a series called Drags, um, Super yeah. Drags. And Super Drags was done by this small Brazilian studio, queer owned actually, mm-hmm. uh, and voiced with, uh, the American English dub was voiced with actual drag queens and another queer talent. And the English dub is fantastic. It's beautiful animation. It's a very adult, <laughs> a very adult series yeah. with uh, one of the super is, let's just say very well hung and it's quite celebrated throughout the show. Um, <laughs> And so I'm not sure, I'm, I, I, I wouldn't share that really with my mom. She would blush. <laughs> <laughs> she still knows how to blush, unlike her son. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and so I think after seeing that, I was, uh, got to thinking a little bit more, kind of like stirred some things up in my imagination. And I kind of came up with this idea of, you know, the boy finding this magic wig. Uh, very kind of raw idea still because, you know, a whole story, the story needs more than just like the origin second. <laughs> and last year in, uh, in, Dece- in, in January 2020, it was MLK weekend. Um, I suffered this kind of eye emergency. Um, I woke up on MLK day and my left eye couldn't see so well. And it turns out I had suffered a detached retina. Okay. So I had two emergency surgeries a week apart. Uh, I was out of, out of work for almost a month. And the second surgery in particular, to be graphic for a moment, they removed all the gel from inside of my eye and filled it with a gas bubble. And because they kind of like, I don't know if this is the right thing, they like laser sutured the retina back to my eye. I was face down in a massage chair for a week. And uh, the week previously, I'd been like on my one side for the whole week because that's because I had like a smaller guest that was also applying pressure. And so, let's just say for that nearly that month I was out of work, I spent a lot of time watching TV. Yeah. And you know, uh, I, I love watching queer content, and there's not necessarily a great variety of queer content. So, I went through Super Drags, I think, a second time. And I spent a lot of time on Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I watched Love Simon the first time then as well. You know, <laughs> Love Simon is a great coming-of-age story. Yeah. Um, probably one of my favorites from recent memories. Uh, and then, but you know, there's I've seen a lot of them over the yeah. years. Of course, that's a very popular genre for queer um, storytelling. Another popular sort of area of queer storytelling is the AIDS crisis. And, uh, and I think that The Normal Heart was on HBO already. Mm-hmm. I saw the stage play of that in San Francisco and it was so good and so heartbreaking. I think I cried for like six months, you know? Um, and I couldn't bring myself to watch anything as heavy as that in the middle of like my recovery time. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I just want something kind of lighthearted and fun. And so yeah. it just kind of like gave me more resolve to, to figure out how to make maxi come to life really in a more full-fledged story. Uh, And then, you know, a few weeks later, after I finally get out of, like, out of my living room, um, I, you know, the world shut down, the world went into chaos with COVID and everything. And so I had a lot more time on Mm -hmm. my hands, and I finally uh, found the right inspiration to come up with with the villain story and what her motivation is and who she is and uh, some of her backstory and flesh out more of Simon's story as well. So that's kind of like the long-winded answer of how, Mm -hmm. how, how Maxie came to be. Cannabis may have
1: been played a part of it, too. <laughs> well, it helps. It helps help with, with creativity. So there you go. Uh, so you mentioned comics, and that's something that I'm very passionate about. Um, everybody who knows, um, I'm the comic person of the podcast, and I live for Wonder Woman and Storm. Those are the two oh, queens. Yes. Oh, Jean Grey. We'll add Jean Grey in there. That's the three queens, three mothers <laughs> of comics for me.
2: Yeah.
1: So tell, tell me, what were your favorite comics growing up and
2: how does some of those characters in those comics kind of play into what you're giving us today? Oh my gosh, you know, growing up in the 70s, so Wonder Woman, of course, was a big favorite of mine and you know like what what little boy period what little kid period didn't run around the house twirling in circles and imagining (laughs) that he was going to turn into wonder woman i was totally that boy (laughs) Uh, and this reminds me you know i went to a galaxy uh galaxians con in probably 2004 and someone uh, uh i forget his name now was it rodrigo rodriguez who had been writing in the Wonder World uh, universe for a while, and he's a queer uh, comic books writer. He he gave it, there was this panel talk about Wonder Woman and why she appeals to queer people so much. That was amazing. That was really amazing. I'm like, I, I'm feeling this one for sure. Yeah, I'm thinking, about, you might be uh, talking about Phil Jimenez. Um, that's it, that's it, that's it, yes, that's Phil, Yeah, he
1: used to write and he used to draw. And, and Phil, I know Phil, Phil loves, we talk about Wonder Woman a lot because we just live and breathe
2: Wonder Woman, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was super cool. Um, so probably Wonder Woman and uh, biggest, and my brother and I would play superheroes, and I always wanted to be Wonder Woman. It's a little problematic for, the, <laughs> for my brother, <laughs> but screw him. <laughs> <laughs> and then in high school, I was more of, a, more of a Marvel boy than a DC boy, per se. Something about those characters, their flaws, um, appealed to me a little bit more, I'd say. Um. Yeah, I think as you mentioned, Wonder Woman. For
1: many of us of a certain age, over forty, Wonder Woman was a very clear a distinction of you know of what of what we thought heroes should be. I mean, of course, a lot of us also fell in love with Christopher Reeve as Superman. I had uh, such an yeah. unnecessary crush on him at what age? four or five, whatever I was, Um, but yeah, (laughs) Wonder Woman was that character I think many of us of a certain age enjoyed because we did spin around and we did think about the fashion. Like you look back at the show, there's a lot of fashion, you know, Diana was wearing a lot of, you know, great fashion stuff. You can still probably wear today. Um, I I think you can wear today. Um, And so I see why that's a big influence um, because, you know, Wonder Woman, the cape, the boots, the, Mm-hmm. lasso the bracelets it was just all the things the hair all of it it just kind of sparked that gay gene and us all we, yeah. <laughs> we were running around trying to find capes and I yeah. actually sold my cousin's underoops she had Wonder Woman underoops and I would put oh. on top under my clothes because I feel like I can be you know I can do this I can be Wonder Woman today
2: so yeah. Oh, you, just awesome. kind of, you just
1: kind of spark that, making me think about that a
2: little bit, <laughs> you know, and I think there's something that was kind of magical also as a boy about that, that transformation in particular too. Mm-hmm. you know, circling around and then boom, now you're this, you know, this, this magical, wonderful being yeah. uh, with all this power and, uh, and everything and empowerment, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so Maxie definitely kind of has that kind of going for her too, because they're kind of like also Wonder Woman and uh, Sailor Moon. There's definitely an anime kind of element to Maxie and how we're approaching uh, her animation. Uh, you know, this there's definitely like this sort of celebration of the transformation, like Sailor Moon has too.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, because they do have very dramatic um, transformations. Mm-hmm. Um, I even think of Shira, and when Shira, that whole transformation was very dramatic. And mm-hmm. I think we're just drawn to, yeah, we're just drawn to drama, basically. I <laughs> think we really <laughs> enjoy that. Um, so my next question um, is, well, you know, since this story centers around drag queens, um, why do you believe that drag queens are such a
2: role model and admired throughout the LGBTQ community? That's a great question um so I don't know that drag queens are universally admired but um you know being queer is fundamentally political Mm -hmm. and you know just being gay and being out and being present in the workplace you know you are forcing your colleagues who might be more narrow-minded to deal with your being gay and when they vote against you know against uh, gay people they're voting against you and the, you're the face of that too and now that's a little bit of a, a little bit maybe more but um and i think drag kind of elevates that to a certain degree too because drag brings in the uh, performance art kind of aspect of it mm-hmm. and and entertainment and and like any art it inspires and it and uh, brings empowerment or uh, courage or challenges uh, to the viewers too. And, uh, you know, and drag, if being queer is political, then I think that being, uh, that drag queens are another level of political on top of it because, you know, for folks who have very rigid notions of masculinity or very rigid notions of femininity, then drag queens and drag kings and any drag entertainer Uh, really will push the freak out of their buttons. And and that's awesome as well as entertaining and and inspiring the folks who who love them too. Um, And I think that there's this, uh, so like with Maxi Law, I think about like these four fandoms in particular. uh, One of course is anyone who likes LGBTQ content, anyone who likes superheroes, anyone who likes animation. And the fourth fandom, I don't know if it's necessarily recognized as such per se, but this growing fandom around drag. And when we think about the demographics of each of these four fandoms, I think that one thing that's really interesting about the fandom of drag is that it's not just gay men. You know, lesbians love drag and other folks in the LGBTQ sort of spectrum love drag and they're also maybe 50% or so of fans are straight women. And I don't know why, but (laughs) I love that drag is so um, well appreciated, admired, loved by our straight allies. And um, this may be a bit subversive, but I love the idea of straight women um, subversively getting their husbands and boyfriends on board with drag, watching Drag Race or Dragula as a family with the kids, <laughs> even how freaking cool is that? Yeah, that is very cool. And it's weird to think about
1: how how far we've come. You know, from you think about like Flip Wilson and all them doing like drag, like little stunts and shows. Yeah. You know, now it's a big money, multi million dollar a bit. it's becoming
2: becoming bigger than the bars um so it's really interesting to see that
1: these days it really is
2: who would have thought you know when we were when did you come out i came out in the 80s you know the aids crisis era i would never have thought that we'd have gay marriage this early in my lifetime or that drag would be celebrated in this way around the world
1: yeah Yeah. i came out in the 90s um and so that was a time and i went to college in kentucky so that was I could not. Oh, imagine, I could not imagine the things that I see now, and you know, living in Los Angeles. But it's it's fascinating to think about from when I was seventeen and seeing my first gay porn to now,
2: um,
1: you know, living the world that all this stuff is just regularly, you know, accessible these
2: days. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's really quite amazing. Like I just never could have imagined, and I'm so thankful and. Uh, you know, I think we're at this point with drag that we are able to think about, I mean, RuPaul really brought drag to a new audience. She brought drag out of Pride festivals, out of the bars, uh, and into our living rooms. And, uh, and I can't believe how it's been welcomed and embraced uh, around the world. And so now we see so many other really fun shows. So far, they've mostly been the reality, like uh, those reality shows where people are transformed like a straight woman uh, is going to get married and somehow she does drag and she has the confidence to you know find her own alter ego and everything um, and then her fiance comes out on stage and does drag too and it surprises that kind of her and I'm totally crying it's awesome <laughs> feeling the feels yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So you come from a back, you have a background in product design and entrepreneurship. Um, How did all that kind of get you into this this creative world of animation and what tools did you take from that,
2: from doing those things to, to getting into animation and doing the work today? Right. So I think there are a couple themes from that. One is in 2002, I tried to start my own software company. And so, as you might recall, this was right when the dot-com boom came to a crashing halt. And it became <laughs> not only dot-com crash, but kind of like technology nuclear winter. Yeah. So it was not a good time to try and start a software business. But this, this time period is also when the internet started gaining, stream, uh, gaining speed and, and kind of growing more uh, broadly, more deeply open source started growing more too. And what this also meant was more of a democratization of so many technology tools. Um, and kind of along with that, um, so so first of all, starting that company was for me like my masterclass MBA, uh, MBA you know, a very expensive uh, experience. Kind of like getting an MBA, but minus the paper. <laughs> uh, and with with, I learned a ton from doing all the stuff like packaging and design and programming and um, marketing and support and um, some media relations as well at that time. Uh, and and so I gained I gained a lot of confidence in those areas that I've been able to uh, bring to my other kinds of. Um, when I went back and got a day job because I just needed to make the rent ultimately. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I was able to bring these skills back to these as well. But again, now that we are in 2021, um, there are so many more areas of creativity that are opening up to people and becoming more democratized in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you are a writer, you can self-publish on Amazon and find your audience and maybe you're the next J.K. Rawlings, you know, or um, like your 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 friend uh, B. David, uh, whose last name escapes right now. Uh, and those guys they're using leveraging the power of Kickstarter to to really help their projects find an audience and get the seed funding they need to uh, to do it. So these new tools and and platforms are really opening up so much more opportunity for folks. And along those lines, um, I. I've been able to find a small animation studio overseas to make this two minute uh, little animated sequence that can kind of showcase some of the scenes and how we want to approach the animation and, um, and help people kind of picture uh, what Maxi looks like and what Dynabolical looks like, our villain, and, and what, what Maxi world looks like. Uh, and that's a lot more compelling for a visual medium uh, like film. So, uh, and then I, I'm working with these animation partners in Los Angeles and, and you know, they're, they're able to manage their costs in a way that we can really make this uh, an affordable project. Cool. Very cool. Now you mentioned several times,
1: RuPaul. And, I'm, yes. and you've talked about Drag Race. So I have to
2: ask, who are your favorite queens? Oh, <laughs> so of the RuPaul's girls, um, I am probably fond of a few uh, like Trixie Mattel and Katya.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, also uh, Nina West, Nina West was a little bit of an inspiration for Maxie mm-hmm. and uh, Rosé and Jan also kind of like a mishmash of some of those. And then uh, Dinabolical one of the biggest inspirations for her look was probably uh, Jada Essence Hall, who was season 12's winner. Um, she's got such fashion and such like a beautiful, she's got talent and she's just beautiful and she's just such a beautiful person. And also um, Heidi and Closet from that season as well. I just freaking love Heidi and Closet too. <laughs> wow. And I, and I just
1: I just really wanted to know that because I know, that if you're talking about RuPaul and
2: drag, we have to talk about the queens. Yeah. yeah, and then there are a bunch of queens here in South Bay I've gotten to know really well, and uh, we, have, uh, a queen named, um, we have a queen named we have a queen named Wuwu Monroe, and she was a drag mother of Rockam Sakura. If you saw her, her season, mm-hmm. uh, and then Wu Monroe has a twice monthly drag show. It's like more performance art and camp and probably along the lines of like uh, what was called a T-Shack or Training Shack from Hackley Net some years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're seeing this really beautiful flowering of drag culture in South Bay. San Jose is about uh, 50 miles from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we're able to see great, amazing drag shows. Uh, and we don't have to live in, go up to San Francisco to see them. Mm-hmm. So we know
1: about, we know a little bit about Maxie, we know a little bit about Diabolical. What other characters are coming? Uh, and what can you tell us about some of the
2: other characters that we may see? Sure, so uh, Simon, who is Maxie's alter ego, uh, is uh Cheyenne barista. And you know, his other classmates have gone off to college and, uh, they have maybe gone into the military. And so he's still 20, 20, turning 21, working at the Pink Unicorn Cafe. Mm-hmm. And so Pink Unicorn Cafe is one of those venues also where we get to see him work. And his best friend, her name is Jay. Now she is a Korean American character. Her, She's the daughter of immigrants. So where Simon is a little bit more of a, kind of like me putting myself in a movie representation of me in some way and then the best friend jay is uh, one of my best friends from childhood since I, who i've known since i was four well we were both four <laughs> uh, and her name is buffy uh, so i love the idea of having uh Maxi Luau, drag super shero, being a vehicle for telling Uh, more interesting and diverse stories, not only queer stories, uh, but also stories of people who are in the spectrum of being BIPOC. And there's so much intersectionality um, among uh, our community and our neighbors and friends and allies. So, yeah, I like the idea of uh, Jay having her immigrant parents and considering what's been happening politically recently with, with regards to immigration, I think that will be a really great opportunity to tell some stories. Uh, and along those lines, the owner of Pink Unicorn Cafe, she's Latina, and um, the, we have this character who only shows up a little bit in this movie. I really envision this movie being followed by uh, a TV series. So I'm hoping that we can get it picked up as a TV series to explore more of these stories. We have this character shows up a little bit here. He is this mysterious man of mystery. And so his background is that he was a drag king at at, uh, the uh, drag cabaret nightclub uh, in town called Skirt and Girdle. And now he works with this mysterious government agency. And the owner of this uh, drag uh, cabaret and nightclub is named Mama Mumu. Hey. And they are a sort of gender non-binary older cis male, but somewhere in the trans spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they have a really interesting past also that I hope that we can explore in the future, in the future TV series or future movies. Okay.
1: Have you thought about taking Maxi to the comic world as, as
2: well as the series and everything else? Yeah. So I think that this uh, IP would, or this Maxi, this character in Maxi World would do really well in comic books. Um, I originally thought of putting out the graphic novel, uh, but I was afraid and I'd, I'd welcome your thoughts on this. I was afraid that it would be harder to find a wider audience and also make back the money because it's somebody expensive to put graphic novels too. Um, and so this is why I kind of went straight to video and I'm you know working through how to make how to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would love to see uh, Maxi in, in graphic novel form or comic book form. Also on theater, I think it would make really fun musical. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a lip sync solo for the hero and the villain. And We're going to have a lip sync duel with those two. And I'm working with my script writing collaborator to possibly add another one. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. I, I
1: think you I think you should explore it. Um, as a person who had created a comic and used uh, Kickstarter to do it, it is, yes, you're right, it is expensive. But I think there is an audience out there. I think about mm-hmm. the fact that you know, web comics is so vast, you know, and a lot of things you will be amazed what people will gravitate to. Mm-hmm. So, I think you should think about it because I think that people will be interested into seeing what
2: Maxi is, you know, getting into and in the stories and stuff like that. So, I would say think about it. I'll yeah, thank you for that, because we're launching our Indiegogo on September fifteenth, mm-hmm. uh, and and this is uh, we're we're our goal for this campaign is fifty thousand dollars to help fund. Uh, pre-production costs and you know as inspiration for this uh, Indiegogo and like like kind of researching best practices I was researching different projects and Kickstarter mm-hmm. and other platforms too with an eye towards um, queer characters whether in graphic novels or film or something else and so yeah I, I was surprised to see how much the fandom can come out and support uh, queer um, comics uh, uh, projects of various sorts. Yeah. And please give us the link to that because we want to see how that
1: goes. Cause Indiegogo is a very, it's a little bit different for most people who don't know, Indiegogo is a little bit different than Kickstarter. I think you get to keep all the money you make <laughs> from Indiegogo versus Kickstarter. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's always a plus. And so we'll, you know, we'll keep you all abreast of what's going on with Maxi. But wow. Now, you mentioned diversity. You have, you have characters who are very diverse. How important diversity
2: was in telling this overall story? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, creating this project in the post-Oscar uh, Still White kind mm-hmm. of era, I, and, and not only that, but also, you know, uh, I'm active in Pride and, and I work closely with my uh, ERG friends and other groups supporting women. Uh, Black employees, uh, Latinx employees, and so on. And, you know, we, our community, LGBTQ community in particular, is so diverse. And to tell an LGBTQ story nowadays, the assumption should be that you are telling a diverse, you are telling a story with diverse characters. The mm-hmm. assumption should not be, how can you add a token person of color in? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I, yeah, I really saw this as important for this one and then some other projects I wanna work on uh, after, after Maxi as well. Yeah, you know, and then when we think also about the history of the queer rights movement or the LGBTQ civil rights movement in America and overseas, you know, this civil rights movement has been, uh, let's just say heavily, uh, heavily <laughs> influenced or heavily f- formed heavily kickstarted by folks who are people of color and uh, gender non-binary, trans in some way, or drag queens. So, you know, it was probably a a drag or trans person of color who threw that first shoe at Stonewall or similarly threw that first cup of coffee at the Compton Riots in San Francisco.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. When you think about our history, yes, it, it has a lot to do with people of color being very active organizing and Mm -hmm. things happen so yeah there's a yeah that makes a lot of sense i like i like that like how you put that um now you mentioned that you have you worked with different projects and you worked um you you're in a group now where you work like a pride like a global company pride thing i'm totally masterizing this can you talk a little bit more about um the global group that you're working with that when when it goes to
2: pride and queer issues yeah, sure. So I work at a very tiny financial technology startup you might've heard of called PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my day job. And honestly, this is probably one of my favorite jobs I've ever held. Mm-hmm. Not only because um, not only because I, I think I identify really well with the company and its mission and uh, PayPal as a company, highly values diversity, with regards to supporting diversity in our ranks, but also um, the company actively looks to how we can expand economic opportunity to people who have been traditionally underserved, uh, poorly served or not served at all, even in America. And so there are a lot of folks from many communities in America who are really uh, financially underserved or or not even banked at all, let alone overseas where the challenges can be even worse. Mm-hmm. and uh so i am the chair for the uh, pride organization in the bay area so headquarters is in san jose so that includes san jose and our office in san francisco i'm also working closely with our um, global pride organization i do comms and i run our intranet site go pride and uh, and i work with um, i also liaise with uh, erG leaders in other groups so unity is our group for women for example aliados is our group for Latinx folks, and then Amplify is our group for Black folks. We have a few other groups as well. Uh, So we work with those folks. And, you know, we find, uh, for example, that we have more success on internal events when we do intersectional kinds of events. So, for example, every year in June, we have a tight roster of so many (laughs) events for Pride Month. And we also take a week out to recognize uh, Juneteenth. So Amplify has tons of um, activities that month. And we also make one event specifically to highlight the accomplishments of uh, a, uh, a person who is Black and LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. So we've had some really great things there. And then, you know, throughout the year, we do other things too. Great. Right. So I was just looking at my
1: last question. And basically, what do you want us to get from um, your creation? What do you want us to get from Maxi
2: so that interview with uh, B. David was so good, and uh, it really uh, has resonated with me. I remember him saying something, uh, and you probably remember this better than me, um, about as creators, how can we create the content that we would have wanted to have seen when we were ten? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I I really see the Maxi Luau track, Super Shiro. Uh, project and hopefully TV series, um, as being really accessible to my 10 year old self. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, we're really targeting like ages 14 and up, but, you know, kids can be really maturing earlier too. And, uh, and I envision families, Uh, being able to watch this together. I want my mom to watch it and I want my nieces and nephews to watch this. And I can't tell you how much support I've gotten even from my nieces and nephews, they love this project. Um, Yeah, and so I, again, going back to that subversive thing, I mean, I think it's really important for us to see more queer themed, LGBTQ themed stories in all media. Uh, I just devoured a book called White Trash Wizard. For example, takes <laughs> place in the American South mm-hmm. about this young man who's not well educated, but it turns out he has some magical powers. I devoured it in a day. I'm like, holy cow, that was fantastic! Um, and you know, and and traditionally I've thought of um, kind of like male uh, gay uh, books as being not so great, but wow, the quality is so good nowadays. I heard about that? I heard about yeah. That. Mm. And uh, and I love some of my other even straight-oriented books, for example, uh, putting queer queer characters in more and bringing in more queer storylines. Um, but with regards to film, in particular, you know this medium is so it just reaches everywhere, okay. uh, in 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 a, in a different way than some other mediums. So uh, I love the idea of some kid some college kid seeing max allows, seeing dynabolical seeing uh mama mumu or any character Jaculation, that's the name of our uh, dragon drag king character uh seeing any of these characters and getting some strength and inspiration uh to uh you know f- help and getting the courage to 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 make it through another day and to and to find out that path on their own to be their authentic person. Nice. Very nice. Oh, man. Well, tell us where we can find you and find out more about this project. Fantastic. So uh, the Maxi website is up. It's maxi.com, M-A-X-X-I-E.com. And on that website, you'll see links to Instagram and Facebook, and our handle on both of those is Maxi Luau, M-A-X-X. L-A-W-O-W, so it's easier to follow the link on maxi.com, <laughs> and also on maxi.com, we'll be putting up links to our Indiegogo campaign, so if you find it to your hearts in your hearts, please mm-hmm. donate, uh, and please share with your friends, please share on social media also, uh, because the more people who hear about this, um, you know, I think honestly that one of the reasons why I chose Indiegogo over Kickstarter is because I don't you know, I don't have a name, I'm a first time filmmaker, and this is a, a brand new character in a brand new world. Uh, and um, the more people, the more that we can prove that there is support for Max Wow and queer queer storytelling in general, then the easier it will be for us to get our projects picked up in Hollywood. Uh, and the easier it will be for us to see things like uh, a musical or a theatrical production come out of this, or a TV series, you know, it's it's, you know, queer, queer media is coming out in like little bits and starts. Mm-hmm. You know, super drags a couple of years ago, Q-Force coming out this fall. So yeah, we need, we need more explicit support so that we can tell Hollywood this content has an audience. Yes. So, thank you.
1: I totally agree with that. Um, this content does have an audience and they will be interested in seeing us. Um, and I believe they'll be very interested in seeing Maxi Loawe. Um, And see how far you take the story, you know, because it's like you're starting here or who knows where you can be, you know, in a year or two. Who knows? Who knows? knows? It's going to be someplace fun and fabulous and campy. (laughs) And we all need camp. We love camp, Um, campy fashion, situations, campy characters. So I'm sure you have a lot more coming. Um, I'm Like I said before, I'm already in love with the name Dinabolical. I love it so Yeah, I love that so much. So I am looking forward to seeing more. And everyone, we will post the links to all of this information. So when we, when you see this, go on the links, go to Indiegogo, give what you can, help out Anthony make this happen. Because for us as queer creators, we do need to stand next to each other and help each other make these things happen. Because if we don't do it, who will? Well, no, no. straight people will, and we don't want it from them. We want it from us. <laughs> So yes, please support queer creators, writers, directors, because it's very important that we get our content out there. And Anthony, I I just want to thank you for coming on today and talking about Maxi LaWell. Looking forward to it. And like I said, we're posting a lot of Maxi soon. So y'all look forward to it. Go look at it. Go look it up and then donate and help out on September 15th. So again, thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you so much, Victor. This has been so much fun. Yes. Yes, and you can find us on Megasheen. We're all over the social networks. You can't miss us. Um, Join us on Twitter where we just kind of clown out and show out and also check us out on um, Instagram where we're there as well. So Nick, um, you can find Nick on on Instagram and you can find Nick on Twitter um, under um, Porter. Well, it's Porter. Just type in Porter because he's changed his name a few times. Me, I've been Wonder Man 5 for the past 11 years. (laughs) on twitter so i haven't changed yet but um yeah please you know look us up look up everything and again look up um anthony and look
2: up what anthony has coming for y'all so look out for it thank you all right see y'all soon on interwebs yeah